0: Hello, my name is Emily Jansen and this is the Leadership is Female podcast podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a triple A baseball team in minor league baseball. and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the leadership is female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marian Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity Learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Welcome to episode 15 of the Leadership is Female podcast. As I just finished watching Dustin Johnson win the Masters, I was reminded of two things, patience and the importance of a dream. Dustin has been an excellent golfer for many years, but until today, he had only won one major. That surprised me as I was used to seeing him at the top of the leaderboard, yet he had rarely taken home the top prize. He kept working. And one of the greatest things they say about Dustin Johnson is that he does not dwell on the failures. He has a mind that's quick to move on, never dwelling yet patient. Second, he held on to his dream of winning a master's. He had that dream since he was seven. Almost 30 years later, it came to be. Congrats to DJ and thanks for the reminder. Have patience and dream big. Speaking of patience and having big dreams, let's talk about Kim Ng. Kim became the general manager of the Miami Marlins on Friday, making her the first woman and Asian American person to hold the role in MLB as well as the first woman hired to the GM position for any team among men's professional sports leagues in North America. I don't personally know Kim, but I do have acquaintances who do, and here's what they'd say. It's about time. Kim has had the opportunity to interview for a GM role, I think, four times over the course of her career and finally landed the job on Friday. She got started with the Chicago White Sox in 1990 and worked there through '96. In 98, she joined the Yankees and was there during the team's World Series runs. She was with the Dodgers from 2002 to 2011 and in the MLB Commissioner's office from 2011 to 2020, where she got the Marlins job Friday. She's got three World Series rings, and I heard she golfs from the men's tees. She's an inspiration for all of us. To Kim, thank you. Thank you for never giving up and for showing us what's possible For all the young women and young men out there, they will never know this can't be done. They will never know that a female cannot be the GM of an MLB team. Thank you for opening the door, shattering the glass ceiling, and paving the way. Today's guest defines perseverance, patience, and the importance of having and pursuing the fulfillment of your dream. With her eye on the prize, Celeste Ballou diligently pursued her dream to work for the Indiana Pacers in the NBA. After years of working at a radio marketing group post-college, she got her in with the Pacers as a social media coordinator. She raised her hand for projects, and she worked and worked and worked, developing great relationships internally with both the front office and the players, so that each time a promotion came up, it was hers to earn. This season, she entered the NBA bubble and emerged with yet another promotion to associate vice president. Celeste takes us through it all and gives us an intimate look into digital marketing and branding for an NBA team. She tells us a few stories and even offers some advice you can apply to your own social media presence. Let's welcome Celeste. Listen in and listen up. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Today we are so honored to have Celeste Belou. In her eight years with Pacer Sports and Entertainment, Celeste has moved from a social media coordinator to a strategic leader within the organization. Currently the AVP of Digital Marketing Teams, she leads digital strategy and content creation for the Indiana Pacers and Indiana Fever social media, email marketing, website, and mobile app. A graduate of Butler University, married to a teacher, and a mom to a teenage son. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Celeste. Thank you so much for having me. Like It's an honor to be included among your guests. I love the platform that you're using and the mission of your podcast, so thank you again. It's an honor to be here. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, I would love for you to
0: tell the listeners in your own words who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sure.
1: Um, Born and raised in Indianapolis, so um, the Pacers and Fever are actually my hometown teams, which is a a dream come true, honestly, to be able to work uh, for the basketball teams you grew up watching. So I was a basketball fan. Indiana's kind of basketball country. Played as a kid, really didn't go much further than that, but um, went to school at Butler University here in Indianapolis, studied media arts with, really that was a focus on video production and television broadcasting. Um, But if you're, you know, in Indiana, there's not a ton of television opportunities unless you're gonna go into news. So I tried to explore sports um, when I was a student there, did a lot of live streaming of Butler basketball games. That was really new technology at the time was live streaming Anything on the web. So I was a, one of the first student producers of but live streams for Butler basketball. Um, got a lot of great experience there through sports and then got an internship with the Pacers on their broadcast team. At the time, they were doing um, in studio television, halftime shows, pregame shows, all that, in addition to the game broadcast. So got some great experience and like I just knew. Basketball, the Pacers were in my blood that that's where I wanted to be someday Um, as as jobs can be, though, in sports. It's really tough to find a position right away, even no matter how bad you want it. Um, So I actually got another internship when I was in college with MS Communications um, and I ended up working there full time when I graduated. So MS owns four radio stations here in Indianapolis. Um, One's a sports talk, one's a news talk, one is a country music station and then a soft rock so a wide variety, of wide audience. Um, I went there really as a, as a video producer, shooting and editing videos um, for the websites for the different stations, and then really that was when social media started to take off for businesses. It was no longer just Facebook for college kids, and Twitter was becoming a real powerhouse that we as a business were like, where do we go with this? Who's going to take the lead? And so I raised my hand of I'll, I'll take that on, so started taking on social media. I taught myself more about managing websites as well and learned email marketing in there and reaching out to our fan, our listener databases. So picked up a lot of experience at MS and I'm so grateful for all that they gave me, but I knew um, that I wanted to be in sports someday. So when an opportunity after six years at MS opened up with the Pacers, that was when I um, accepted a position as a social media coordinator. I started running uh, social media for the Banker's Life Fieldhouse, which is our arena, and the Indiana Fever, which is our WNBA team. I had a bit of beginner's luck because my first season with the team, we won the uh, WNBA championship, which Incredible. was a great a great start, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty great, um, but a really wonderful opportunity to, you know, I'd gone from social media platforms with zero followers that we built from the very beginning up to a new elevated level with the field house and our, NBA te- or our WNBA team especially in the WNBA champions. And the experience that I got there just really continued to build. Um, after my first year there, I transitioned over to the Pacers and managing the, those social media channels. At one point, I was managing all of them, which is a lot. And I would not wish that upon anybody. I don't think in this day and age, we could even be equipped for that. Um, but then I, I just continued to stair step up with experience at the company. And I'm so grateful that they saw the potential for me as well that transitioned to senior manager where I was leading a small team on our content team, um, up to associate director to director where I was eventually leading our whole web, mobile app and email content team. And then just recently got promoted to ABP. So I'm back with the fever again, taking on the digital portion there and leading the strategy now. So moving a bit more away from the day to day and maybe some of the social posting I was doing in the moment and now trying to lead our team to empower them to get great content and all of the fun pieces that come along with the different aspects of digital and really just leading this team to to be our best awesome well first
0: congratulations on thank you promotion um really cheering for you out here that's incredible and before I dive a little bit more into your work I want to talk a little bit about your family first you're yeah. a mom to a teenage son and um, you're married and you have this really exciting um busy job tell us about what it's like to manage all of that yeah
1: I mean, it, it's no secret that working in sports, there's long hours, there's weird hours, you know, games aren't in the middle of the day, they're in the night at night. Um, so I'm, I'm really lucky to have a supportive family. Uh, I got pregnant really young while I was still in college. So my parents were incredibly supportive. I could not be where I am today without their help to have gotten, uh, to finish college, to get, to get into the workforce, to get, to pursue, you know, the my dream job that I wanted. So my parents have been great. My husband has been amazing as well. It doesn't hurt that he's also a sports fan. So he's supporting all along as well. Um, So, but it's hard. Like that's the reality of our business too, is in pursuit of doing what we love there. There's some give and take, you know, we can't always be home at night to tuck your kid into bed. Um, But there are games he gets to come to to watch. And especially now that he's a teenager, it's nice that he's got an even greater appreciation that he's on Instagram, he's on social media, seeing the work that I was doing at one time and now that my team's doing. And that's that's a big reward for me. If like, if we do something that he thinks is cool and mentions to his friends, like that that's that's honestly like better than any other KPI or metric that we may even measure <laughs> ourselves against.
0: I love that. I'm also a mom of boys. Yeah. yeah. One of the other things I take pride in is my boys seeing the work that a woman can do and exactly achieve. They're never going to know anything different and neither is your son. So I think that's incredible. Plus the perks, um, you know, sometimes they miss mommy being at home in the evenings, but boy, do they love coming to the games
1: and right. supporting the teams. Yep. And I love that. I love what you said too, because that's a big feature for important thing for me too, for him to learn is that Uh, it doesn't matter male or female, like you can be a leader, a strong leader, Um, especially in sports. I think we've all experienced some different stereotypes that people expect it to be a a male in our male dominated industry. So to be, to break that mold and not only to show others like through this podcast, but my own child as well, like that's, that's a big reward too.
0: Yeah. 100%. I, I love that. I love that. So A little bit more on the family stuff. You entered the bubble this season. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. You had to leave home for an undetermined amount of time and enter into the bubble in Orlando. What was that like?
1: Yeah, so um, for those that don't follow the NBA, over the summer we finished the 2019-20 season in a central location in Orlando, which involved um, all of the games being played at uh, a few arenas right on Disney World's campus. So the teams moved there as well. We had a really small traveling party of just 35, 37 people. So we moved to Disney and uh, lived at a resort for a while, which is interesting, but also different from what you may expect as glamorous as it may sound. but. I am really grateful to be in the NBA where they see value in social and digital. Um, You know, I think a lot of people still think an intern runs the social media channel and that's not true. It's a strategic team behind all of that. So for the league to say that a social digital person had to travel with each team to get content that was being posted through all of our channels was is really a big, a big testament to the NBA and their forward looking and so their belief in our platform is great. Um, but yeah, we moved and we lived at the Grand Floridian for, like you said, an undetermined amount of time. Um, it's kind of weird. I'd been, I'd traveled with the team before, but maybe the longest road trip was a week, maybe eight, nine days. And now packing for a trip that maybe two months, three months was kind of a weird feeling. Um, but it was, it was great. It was a once a lifetime experience. On the work side, I had to be a bit of like um like a Swiss army knife doing a little bit of everything. I had to be a photographer, had to be a videographer. I was a podcast correspondent for our own podcast on the uh, on the Pacers channels. Um, I was communicating back with our team on stuff, helping to provide as much insight as I could, really trying to get as much content of all kinds to them to send back. I was also shooting video for local media since no media was in the bubble and then trying to support our PR staff as well because there was only one person as well. So. A lot that I had to do professionally, and it was, but it was so rewarding. It was a great opportunity to build relationships with our players, with our coaches, um, which I've always tried to do before. But now that we're all living on the same campus, it was, uh, it was a new, totally new angle. Um, but it was great. And then on a personal side too, it, it, I mean, it was hard to, I'm again, I'm so thankful for my husband who was so fully supportive of me doing this because he realized what the, comp, you know, what the team was saying if, in picking me to go was that I'm a real asset to the team. So I tried to not take that lightly and neither did he. Um, but it is tough that he's been a single parent for an undetermined amount of time. Um, and it, it helps that he's a teacher. So he took my son to and from school and as he's to and from work because they're actually at the same school. Um, but we tried to check in regularly, too. Tried to, I tried to FaceTime every day, no matter what was happening in my day, take take time off to see them face-to-face through technology, um, which is wonderful. And then, you know, we'd watch, do things like watch a TV show together <laughs> at the same time, oh, or uh, many things like that. Yeah, just trying to stay connected and make time um, for them, as well as, you know, take time for my mental health, too, because that's a big thing for me. Um, I think we've all experienced what it's like to live and work in the same place right now in this work from home era. Uh, this was a new level of that too. Of There wasn't a lot of escape. The only places I could go were the grounds of the resort. Uh, so um, trying to make sure I, I took time to unplug, step away, go to the pool because that was about one of the few things to do and, and try to focus on taking care of my mental health in what was really a wild and stressful time. Yeah. What was it like capturing content
0: and getting those photos within the bubble? Obviously, there were a lot of new rules and regulations. Like, what, what type of hurdles did that add to getting the job done?
1: Yeah. I think we've all experienced the roller coasters, no matter where you work and live, of COVID and, and what how the world has changed for all of us as a result of that. So for me, it was just another reminder that this isn't the same World we'd lived in before. Um, you know, the, I've had a lot of access to the court to be able to get closer photos or, you know, is, didn't have to be mindful of social distancing and things like that, but all of those measures, the NBA did an excellent job of making sure those precautions were in place, and I think the, the success showed in having no positive cases while we were in the bubble, um, but that did just change how we worked. You know, there was different, had to figure out an all new flow for something that was really familiar to me before all of this of what, okay, this is what I usually do during a game day, but like that changes now, like, where do I have to sit? Where can, what angles can I get without being too far away? Um, Trying to provide as much content, as much fun and photography as I can um, to share with our fans, to give them a realistic view of what what we were experiencing in the bubble.
0: Yeah, so COVID or not, um, can you share with us with your access to the court, what is uh, one of the greatest moments you've had um, that you've been
1: able to capture in, in your role? Yeah, it's really one of the key pieces of our job really is building a good relationship with our players and our coaches because without any layer of trust or even a, you know a rapport between them, it's really hard to get fun fun interesting content um, so that's always the one of the first pieces of my job is to make them comfortable with me um, show them how I like help them like hey I'll take if you let me take this great photo I'll send it to you too to post on your social channel and when you're dealing with some NBA players that have they're trying to grow their own social following that it goes a long way yeah, uh, yeah. but that's there's so many things along it, it, it's I love Victor Oladipo he's our star player right now he is such a good friend of mine that we He's, he's always singing, he's always on a happy mood. So he is just a fun, fun guy to be around in general. Um, before we had, um, before Victor came, we had Paul George on our team and Paul and I established also a good relationship. There was some fun things like uh, while he was injured and still recovering from breaking his leg, he was doing a lot of rehab and just playing around on the court. That one day after practice, he and a couple of teammates were shooting three pointers, but like from way off the floor, like almost to the second or third row. And I just happened to be standing by like maybe getting some video. They missed for about 10 minutes straight. And then all of a sudden Paul realized like, oh, hey Celeste, I didn't know you were shooting video. And then he looks at me and he makes the very next one. So it was just, there's just some fun moments like that, that it's just like, they love being in the spotlight. And I'm kind of happy to help get them there too, especially if it makes for fun, really fun content like that, that everybody enjoys.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is really the highlight is the relationships with those guys, because the closer you get to them, the more authentically you can tell their story and the more they're willing to work with you to,
1: to get the great content. Exactly. Cause I think it's easy to see what their athletic abilities are, how they play on the field or on the court. Um, But what we wanna do is try and show their personalities and who they are as a person and things that they're interested in and jokes that they make, but you're not gonna get that authentic version of themselves until they're comfortable with you to know that when you're shooting video, one, they can trust you and two, that it's gonna be used in a responsible way or a fun way. So it's, it's, relationships are a big key for that. And I've really liked, uh, tried to maintain those relationships as, even as I've you know advanced through my roles.
0: Yeah, very cool. Speaking of your advancement, um we highlighted your recent promotion. But you've had a lot of different bosses throughout yeah. your career with the Pacers. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. What are um what are some of the best lessons you learned? Um a lot of these people have gone on to do really incredible things. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about those leadership lessons that you've picked up along the way.
1: Yeah, I think no matter what, whether you've got a great manager or a manager that can use improvement, there's plenty of things you can learn. I think I've learned just as much from the really great managers of how I want to be as a leader as I've learned from maybe others on how I don't want to be, or at least took away key pieces on, okay, if I was if I was a leader, these are the things I would do. Um, some big things for me, and I know it sounds simple, but my most recent, um, my most recent manager was a female and she was actually the first female I'd reported to in my career. And that was a big shift for me reporting to males all through my career of seeing her style and how she worked, but also she just personally brought a level of efficiency and process that I hadn't experienced before and really appreciated. So things like, it sounds small, but there's such big things of like, always sending out an agenda before a meeting, Um, scheduling one-on-one time with your team, no matter how busy you are to check in with them regularly, that those are pieces that for me, like being prepared for a meeting makes me feel a lot more at ease instead of walking into maybe something I don't even know. So I try to prepare that for my team as well and set those expectations of, if we're gonna meet, let's have a purpose and let's define what, what we're trying to discuss or get out of this meeting so that we're not wasting our time and just little things like that all the way up to, she helped us establish some some platforms. She figured out the needs that we had in platforms or maybe even staffing and helped us get to a really great spot that even though she went on to a really great opportunity at Hulu, which we miss her very much, um, that helped put me in a great position that now we have the foundation of what we need so I can focus on what are the next steps in storytelling and content and what can we do there to take that to the next level.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And touching on the meetings is like more important than ever now that we're in this remote setting. Yeah. Aside from your um, time in the bubble, the Pacers have been remote for about seven months. So you're yes. having hundreds of people in Bankers Life Fieldhouse in this activity around your job to now working in this remote setting, um, managing a team through likely Microsoft Teams that we're all up and using. Um, What's that been like? Do you have any, um, you know, best practices that you can share with us?
1: I, I, the biggest part for us, and really almost, it was almost a struggle too for digital was like when so many things stopped, basketball games stopped, the world kind of stopped, we all started staying home, our digital channels were still on. So our team really kept, had to keep working through all of this that um, my biggest worry as a leader is burnout, especially now as we're going into a new season that I wanna make sure my team and myself included don't get to a point where we've just been overworked because it's been a crazy new normal, um, working from home and working remotely and dealing with so many changes. Um, but for me, our, our team really has just, it was just like, okay, this is the new normal. So we should that way. I, I'm really, I'm not surprised, but I'm just impressed by the level of team that I have. Um, the creative work that they do and that the camaraderie still that we've been able to maintain, even though we haven't seen each other physically since March. Like it's it's crazy that it's crazy to even say that when these are people we saw every day of the week, maybe even sometimes more than my family or my husband at times, but um, and that's a big, that, that's been the big key for us. And in the very beginning, we were trying to do things like, a, you know, a virtual happy hour and things like that. But now that maybe the novelty of working from home is worn away, my focus really has been on, on minding the, the mental health portion now, and that, that we are, we're a lot more stable, you know, in terms of at least knowing where the industry is going, that they're able to take PTO time, that they're able to unplug and maybe let another team member care, manage the social channels for a few days and things like that, because for us, it never turned off and, it, and it's not going to. So we have to keep moving it forward through fun and exciting content.
0: Hey, just a quick break to remind you to go on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports and give you the tips so you can get to the top faster. Head on over to EmilyJanson.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit on that content, you, there's three different brands to run. What are the differences between the brands? How do you create an authentic voice for each one of those?
1: yeah so we have uh the indiana pacers which i've probably spoken at length about um the indiana fever our wmba team and we have bankers life Fieldhouse. um and as you can imagine we've all got all different fan bases different yes. business objectives for each brand um so it is a focus like the basketball side we look at um Like I've talked about sharing our players' personalities, the identity of our team, um, while also supporting our business objectives like driving revenue. So whether that's through ticket sales or getting merch, we want to build fandom and then hopefully convert that fan to a customer as well. Um, Those are similar objectives on the fever side. It's just probably a a, a slightly different audience. Um, But then on the Bankers Life Fieldhouse, it's a, such a broad audience because it could be anybody could be a customer at bankers like Fieldhouse from a fan of metallica to a family that's coming to disney on ice to um you know a pop pop artist country artist we've got so much there that it's hard it's a lot harder to define when it is an arena that's for everyone so that's what we focus on is being a center of the community um, and sharing information as it relates to COVID, as it relates to events coming back, and then hopefully as we get back to normal about shows and concerts that are coming here. But all of that to say, like, that that had to be kind of reestablished when, when the world kind of paused and things got things changed for us in March that we had to def- really clearly define, okay, what are we using these channels for and how are we communicating with our fans? And, and that's, that continues to be a, a, a piece for us to continue to focus on.
0: Yeah, and this is sort of a big question, but how do you tell a story through social
1: media? Yeah, <laughs> big question because it is, I, it is. I, don't know that, I don't know that there's any right answer except I think it's personality um, and sharing a personal aspect or, or, or making the story more personal. It's hard to talk about Baker's Life Fieldhouse as a building but you can share the story of a little kid that came to their first basketball game or got cotton candy at a a family show that they came to or just made some memories with their family. So I think when you take that personal aspect, that's really our big key of how does it affect um, the fan or can we show a personal side of a player or, or of our team too and work that we're doing in the community or how we're trying to make an impact beyond just the basketball court. That at least for me really, Big, big question, but big answer too, is just like trying to get personal too and as personal as we can.
0: Yeah, so so getting personal is sort of the creation of this brand storytelling. How does that transition to an individual? So if a listener is looking to build their own social media platform to um, start to shout from the rooftops about the great work
1: that they're doing, yeah. what would you suggest? It's a hard piece because every uh, everybody thinks they, we all have a Twitter account or an Instagram, everybody thinks that they because they manage their own social media that it can translate into a business. So at least for us on the professional side, I look for somebody that's maybe looked outside of just their own account, whether it's, a, a col- it, you know, there was not a lot of opportunities maybe in college, but did a college student uh, help their sorority or fraternity or an event or a club that they're a part of, just something that shows that it's more, that they thought about more than just their own piece, because that's for us, like the, the Pacers account is not my account. It's not anyone's account. It's the company. So we're speaking on behalf of the brand. And that's a big, that's a big storytelling piece of how can we tell this story as the Pacers or as the Fever or as Bankerside Fieldhouse, which is again, a building. So from a personal aspect, turning it to professional, that's where I look, but from a personal piece too, I think just be you know, be your authentic self too. I think it's easy to spot uh, maybe some not as genuine people probably on social media and that your own personal accounts, be your authentic self. And that may, may put people off. That's, that's always a risk, but I think you'll never be upset with yourself for being real. Yeah. I love that
0: advice. Be your authentic self in your social media. And also think about being inclusive. Yes. It's maybe your account, but it's also about how you're connecting. Um, it can't be a one-way conversation. So, how are you? Um, how are you benefiting the world and the community? What are the the partnerships you have? It's the same thing in real life. Like you have friends and organizations that you belong to. I think you have to consider that when you're looking at your social
1: media platforms as well. Yeah, totally agree. And that that's that's a big piece that I think people overlook of just using it, social media as an outward platform to just share their thoughts, share their ideas, where really the biggest gains you can make is when connecting with people, you can connect with somebody all over the world and you know whatever dream job you have. So taking that opportunity to try and make those connections and build relationships through that as well, instead of just pushing out, your you know, you're saying your piece or your identity, but maybe getting an understanding of others and connecting that way. I think, like you said, that's, that's a great piece.
0: That's a great, great advice. And the Pacers are building the stadium of the future. Um, What is that like? Is there any great technology you can share with us or one of the coolest features that you've heard of so far as Bankers Life Fieldhouse moves into
1: uh, this new incredible building? Yeah. Our building is over 20 years old, which is crazy because, again, growing up in Indianapolis, I remember when this building first opened, but our facilities team is incredible at maintaining it and that I've heard not only from our own staff, but people all around the league that we have one of the best arenas in in all of basketball, and it does not look like a 20-year-old building. However, we are now giving it a, you know, a facelift, we'll say, of going through some major renovations that will impact the, the bowl as um, people see it, the seating area, and then all of the spaces that come along with it. I think what's really interesting and kind of the trend in sports, too, is that we're taking away some seating and some of that is just going to be areas where people can gather and i think especially once we get into a more normal world that that's what people will really be looking forward to a space to maybe not sit in a row of four with your friends but stand together and watch the game from a platform or a, a common area that um, you know, you can kind of experience it together. So I, it, it's an interesting idea to think about sports moving a bit away from seats and more to spaces. Um, and we've got just some really great opportunities there for fans to be together and experience, still experience a live game, but have an enhanced, uh, an enhanced dining or beverage experience too, in, in a space that maybe they hadn't seen or considered before.
0: That's so exciting. And yeah. I love that the way that the sports industry is moving forward in their and their thoughts about entertainment and the guest experience, and so
1: I'm very excited to see um, what the Fieldhouse looks like when yeah. completed. And I just forgot you meant to ask for cool features. I think one of a really cool feature that is coming to our building is we're getting an ice skating rink outside of the field house, which like if you've been to Rockefeller Center or anything like yeah. that, you can see that it's a cool gathering place. And so to have something like that, an extension that also opens us up for some outdoor, you know, concerts or gatherings as well, having some pregame parties or, or, you know, it just opens us up to a whole new opportunity of having some outdoor space when we've really been an indoor building. So I'm really, really looking forward to some opportunities we have there.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. We, for a number of years, hosted an ice rink at our ballpark. and. Nice the festiveness of it and the music and, um, the gathering during that time, the best time of year, um, besides baseball season, the best
1: right.
0: holidays. Um, it, uh, it was a lot of fun. So that that's going to be a great experience for, for you guys. I wanted to ask you personally, uh, what was a tipping point in your career?
1: I have been thinking about this because I've always thought of my career as a progression. You know, I took one step, I took another risk, but I think for me it really was um, coming to the Pacers, and that to me was when um, I've I've been able to advance more in my career here than I than I even expected, um, and more than I really could have could have even imagined when I first started here. But just I've had different managers along the way. You know, no matter who they were, but believed in me and empowered me to do my best work, to grow, um, to you know grow my skill set as well and grow as a leader. That that for me was when I came to this company. That was the tipping point. Not to say I didn't get it at my last job, but this was just a whole new level. And I've just, I've just been. Um, I love what I do. I love the people that I work with, and that really has kind of been the that was what really accelerated, I guess, my next growth here as professionally.
0: Yeah. And was there
1: a hurdle that you uh, had to jump over along the way? I think change. I think there's there's always change uh, as a, a hurdle to overcome. Our, our industry changes, um, staffing changes, you know, the people you work with, uh, the leaders you work for, That the, those things constantly change. So even though it, a change for me is always hard, too, of like you get into a really comfortable rhythm, we've got this good thing going, and then it's all all a mess again, that figuring that out can be painful at times, you know, figuring out a new way of working or new people's personalities and all of that, that there were hurdles along the way where the change felt like too much, like maybe I can't handle this. Um, but, you know, perseverance and, and sticking with it, and having the hope that, that once you push through this change, you're going to be better than you were before. Those were the things that kept me moving. And, and honestly, I'm glad I did. What's the
0: best way for somebody to move through change Do you have like one go-to
1: tip for that? Good question I I, I think the, the, the biggest thing for me and this is all me and my experience the, per, the biggest thing is not letting the negative drag you down you know it's really easy to focus on what's different what, you know, what things make you uncomfortable and, and dismiss that. Whereas the different things may be the things that push you to become better. Um, it, and So don't, it, don't let that drive you. And I'm not saying be overly optimistic that everything will be fine, uh, but have the belief that it will be and try to not focus on the negative or the things that make you so uncomfortable. But maybe that once you push through this, you'll get to a, a level of comfort again, but it has resulted in the good kind of change.
0: Yeah, and I've been its coming up lately in a lot of dialogue that I'm having about cliches. And I said, cliches are founded in some type of truth because they keep coming up over and over and over again, which is why we continue to use them. And the one recently for me has just been the silver lining. I feel like it's been my theme of 2020, like not focusing on the negative and finding the silver lining. And it sounds like that's been the theme uh, in your career when those changes have occurred, know that there's better days ahead.
1: Yeah. I, and, I, and speaking of cliches, like everything happens for a reason. I always thought like, that's such a throwaway statement, but like I've lived that, like, it's so true that everything really does happen for a reason. And if you have the right perspective, that even though it doesn't feel like, you know, that reason now you will eventually, and you'll get to a place where you're like, yep, yeah, I know. I Yep. Yeah, that's what I learned from that.
0: hundred percent. One thing leads to another. It's yeah. so true. Yep. Yeah. Um, Okay, got a good question for you. As someone who lives in digital, what is the favorite app on your iPhone?
1: man, it changes for me a lot, but right now it's TikTok. And I realize that's crazy to say, because I think everybody on TikTok is like 20 years old or younger, Uh, (laughs) but I love it. I've, I've gotten my husband to be on it too. Like, I think there's such a diversity of content in that platform that it's, you know, it's short little bites. It's not all teenagers dancing or doing dance moves and dance challenges. There's fun creativity, people making, you know, video memes and stuff like that. I just really enjoy TikTok, but Instagram will probably always be my favorite. I'm always back on Instagram too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There we go. Have you leaned into TikTok
1: at all with any of the Pacers brands? We have the the biggest issue with TikTok that we, we and other teams struggle with is, and it's, it's a boring topic, but music licensing of trying to use music that we have the rights to. um, because honestly on TikTok, a lot of it isn't, isn't uh legally clear to use so trying to avoid um the struggles there while also still producing fun content because one it's a a growing platform growing at a massive rate but also an opportunity to reach a younger fan base um that maybe we can grow some future pacers fans by sharing some cool content now um things that have performed really well for us there are things like mic up. We had TJ McConnell, one of our players, miked up for a game and just highlights of him and the goofy things he says all through a game, which it doesn't sound like a TikTok because I think people think music and stuff there, but it's a probably our most viewed video. And so I think it's an interesting way to look at that platform at that. Maybe it's not how we have perceived it for a long time, but a fun way to share some really quick, short, little fun, entertaining videos.
0: Yeah, I love that. I certainly can understand the challenges with the licensing, especially because those are the most top of mind videos is some queued up music from yeah. today, <laughs> and exactly. you may not have the opportunity to use it. So I love to hear how, how creative you're getting.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're focusing on videos that maybe don't have the fun music track that everybody's using, and that's hard for discoverability, but focusing on something that entertains people, um, in a fun way, whether it's player speaking or, um, you know, like I said, mic'd up or our mascot too. our mascot doesn't have to talk, but he can do some fun fun things as well there too.
0: Yeah. That's great. Um, what is the
1: one piece of advice that you would give women to help them level up? I've so like, there's so many angles I can go that picking one is so hard. I, I think it's, I think it's perseverance and that to me is a big piece of um, pushing through adversity, um, recognizing that you know you may be the only female in the room at times, um, but being confident in your voice and your opinion, your perspective that sometimes may differ from the group as well. Um, I think so persevering through what those hurdles feel like um, and just being comfortable with speaking for yourself, speaking your mind, even if it feels like, like I said, like the rest of the group may not think that way. I think it's so helpful to have somebody that brings a new perspective that maybe we haven't thought of before, whether that is male, female, young, old, um, all different backgrounds and races, like that that diversity in a discussion leads makes us better. you know it makes us have better content that is more inclusive or even better for our audience than a small group of like-minded people. So accepting that and and knowing that you can be comfortable in speaking your truth, speaking from your experience, uh, speaking up when maybe it doesn't even feel like you, you want to or can um, and persevering through all of that, that that's probably my biggest piece.
0: Yeah, um, did everybody hear that? The biggest way you can level up perseverance, push through adversity and confidence in your own voice. I could not agree more. The biggest change and biggest leveling up in my career was when I found my voice and I found the value in my voice to speak up and add um, to the conversation in a really meaningful way.
1: So I could yeah. I could not agree more. And you, you put it so much better than I did, but com- confidence is so key to that. And I don't know that it's something that can't be taught. It's something we aren't, you know, even given, especially as women. I feel like that is something that people try to hold back, you know, being overly confident puts different, different, you know, labels or stereotypes on you, but don't be afraid to be confident. And it does come with experience. Sometimes I think more success or, you know, as you learn and grow, you become more confident in your abilities. And then that leads to your voice. So, don't delay that growth either. Don't, don't stunt your own confidence by holding back that. Yes, I totally, totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. And both Celeste and I are Midwestern girls and you are taught from a young age to be, be humble. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't remember at what age I learned the word conceited, but I was not allowed to celebrate any of my successes for fear of, um, rising above others or of celebrating my success too much and i think i I don't think i know there's a tremendous difference between confidence and being conceited you can be confident and humble at the same time
1: yes i you put it so well because there's that 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 midwestern values of being humble, don't be too proud, just put your nose down and work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be a piece of advice too for for females or really anybody looking to continue to grow in business is don't be afraid to show off your work. Don't be afraid to show your success or share something that you've done, especially um I I think at my, when I was early in my career, I just assumed my managers knew everything I was doing. They just knew everything that I had accomplished if something went really well, but it's really hard to keep track of every single thing every person is doing. So to be forward and, and confident and here's, here's what I've done or here's something we did, or here's an idea I have, at least putting those pieces out there, that's gonna grow your confidence, but it's also going to put you in a better place to help to succeed even more professionally and personally. 100%, I love that, I love that. So
0: every episode we wrap up with your favorite quote that yes.
1: you want to share with us. It has always been a long favorite of mine was um, a Robert Robert Frost poem, The Road Less Traveled. who was like, I took the road less traveled by and that has made all the difference. And that to me has kind of always been my favorite quote and something almost that I live by too of like, if it feels comfortable, it's what everybody's doing, maybe that's not for you, you know? And it's okay if going a different path from how other people have succeeded per- personally, professionally and moved through life Um, so taking the road less traveled is okay. And, and at least having, I had, I think it was in high school. I read that poem and it just like stuck with me ever since that it's okay to take the road less traveled.
0: Beautiful. That is wonderful. Celeste, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. AVP of digital marketing teams for the Indiana Pacers. Where can we get a hold of you? How can we stay in touch?
1: Sure. Well, First, I'm going to do a plug. Please follow the Indiana Pacers or Indiana Fever on on our major platforms, but no, I'm on Twitter at Celeste underscore B or on Instagram. It's Celeste backwards. So at select on Instagram, I'm happy to happy to connect. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn as well too, because again, thank you for having me. I think this is a great platform to bring together female leaders in sports, especially it's, it's, I, I so admire the mission that you have here and I'm so honored to be a part of it. Thank you.
0: It's been my pleasure and you were incredible. I know everyone is going to get so much from listening to all of your advice and your story. Thank you. Thank you to Celeste for that awesome conversation. With that, let's get right into the top four takeaways. Number one, don't let the negative drag you down, push through adversity and place confidence at the core of your being push through change. Have the belief that things will be better on the other side. Number two, build layers of trust. What do others want from you when you want something from them? How do you create mutual benefit? For example, Celeste gets greater access to players by sharing the content she gets with them so that they can build their own social media following. To build trust, create win-wins. Number three, On bosses, no matter what, you can learn from your manager, good or bad. The best Celeste has learned recently is to focus on efficiency and process. Set 1v1s with your reports. Send agendas before meetings so everyone comes prepared. Figure out the needs of your department and lay the foundation to solve those problems, including considering what technology can help you achieve your goals and keep your team organized. And number four, in social media, Be your authentic self and make it a two-way conversation. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedis and distributed by Anchor FM.